In our exploration of the Sinra, we decided to talk to Professor Amrita Chakrabarti Myers, a history professor here at IU, whose focus is greatly on gender, race, and the life of black women in the US. The consensus is that anger is felt by everyone. However, to express it does not come without judgment for some groups of people. We're told that we're not supposed to be angry at all, but anger is more acceptable when it comes from certain people than from others. And certainly I think that when women are angry, it's extremely frowned upon. Women are expected to be polite, kind and amenable. When we stray from this in an attempt to assert ourselves and take charge, we are deemed hysterical, irrational or a nasty woman. Uh, but what we want to do is to replenish the Social Such a Security nasty Trust woman. Fund by making... I remember thinking to myself when it happened last night, so again, an educated, opinionated, articulate, um, well, you know, seasoned, experienced woman is automatically nasty. Well, I guess most of us then, uh, at least most of the women I know, including myself, would qualify for that definition. And if that's what nasty means, then I'll take it. With the recent presidential debate, and the entire 2016 race, we see a very publicised example of how anger, coupled with racist, sexist and completely incorrect remarks, is not enough to dim the chances of one candidate. But when the other does not smile enough, they are criticised and deemed not approachable. Well, I think we, again, have to go back to the basic fact that women are not allowed to be angry at all. And we're not allowed, not only are we not allowed to be angry, we're not supposed to speak. We still live in a world that doesn't really appreciate it when women have an opinion. And we've seen it over and over again this particular election cycle that as much as we claim to have become this, you know, post-feminist 21st century society, we're uncomfortable at the thought of being led by a woman. We're uncomfortable at the prospect of women speaking for us, making policy for us, interacting with foreign leaders on our behalf. Clinton has not been allowed to just be criticised as a presidential candidate, but doubly as a woman. The ability for the righteous anger Professor Chakrabarti Myers mentions to instantly be dismissed with a simple calm down demonstrates a system that does not allow for women to be angry. Alongside the disregard of a woman's anger is the disregard of a black woman's anger. Manifesting as the trope of the angry black woman, this label not only disregards both your anger as a woman, but your anger as a black individual. I think it's important that we understand the concept or the the concept and the construct, the historical context in which that construct was created. Um, Many of the constructs or stereotypes that were created around black women come out of the era of slavery. The angry black woman actually doesn't. Once slavery no longer exists as um, a hierarchical sort of creating factor, new tropes have to be created to continue to denigrate and, um, you know, keep black men and women in their place. Black men, of course, are then portrayed increasingly as uh, beasts and rapists, um, which justifies, right, the lynching um, of black men. And for black women, they're seen as being emasculating. They're seen as being very matriarchal, very domineering, very um, taking over the family, taking power away from black men. And along with that rises up this angry black woman trope that black women that it's part of their character, that, that being these domineering, emasculating matriarchs who run the household and um, you know, run their sons and run their men, they're also angry. And they're angry at everyone and everything. They're supposedly angry at black men for not protecting them and standing up for them and 
um, you know, being able to provide for them financially. They're angry at, you know, white women for taking away um, any hope uh, of their position on the, you know, totem pole of beauty. They're angry at white men for, right, being at the very top of the hierarchy and having privilege and patriarchal privilege as well as white supremacy. So supposedly, you know, black women and women of color were angry at everybody all the time. But there's also this, you know, underlying theme that sort of then comes out then that you can't um, have a rational conversation with a black woman or a woman of color, that they are again completely in by, you know, controlled by their id or that ego emotional part of their personality, that there can possibly be no rational explanation for their anger, um, that there can't be righteous anger on the part of black women when they see sexism, when they see racism, misogyny, when they see abuse um, taking place. This constant, and it's a, it's a constant way of denigrating black women because when we do stand up for ourselves, when we do have, when we're simply assertive, when we stand up for our rights, when we stand up for other people's rights, when we stand up for what's right, no matter how politely we say it or how intellectually we say it, um, everything that we say is dismissed because we're angry. So it's not just that we ourselves are angry. The words that we say in the classroom, in the boardroom, in the political sphere are dismissed as not requiring real thought or gravitas because we are simply angry. Having to manage both scrutiny that comes with being a woman and stereotypes that are aligned with being black seems ridiculous, just as constantly tiptoeing around a trope that dismisses valid opinions and feelings is. Using it devalues views and thoughts and attributes them to something bizarrely deemed inherent. Even if I do say something with, you know, with politeness, with a very modulated tone of voice, with a smile on my face, people will still often portray me as having been the B word, right? Being angry. um, And they completely dismiss what I said because of who the speaker was. And as as an educator, I find that out so completely frustrating. So who is allowed to be angry? Who is able to achieve the execution of this emotion without dismissal or irrationality being attached to it? It does not seem to be women, and with the existence of a label such as the angry black woman, it is clear that history has not bestowed this right to women of colour. We have to understand that black women might be legitimately angry, given the 400 years of history we've had in this country. But I think that when you disentangle those two really insidious, you know, sort of webs, like the racialized web, the gendered web, and understand that the stereotypes of blackness catch black people, womanhood catch women, both entrap black women in a particularly unique set of stereotypes that don't actually apply to either black men or white women. I think that that education is really important in understanding where these ideas arise out of, We need to start from there and understand that every time a woman opens her mouth, she's not angry. And every time a black woman opens her mouth, she's not irrational or irrelevant. Listen to her words, think about historical context, um, and then make an intellectual decision about whether or not what she's saying comes from a place of righteous, rational anger or irrational dementia. Ideally, our anger should not be trivialized due to our gender or race. To label a woman as nasty, just because she's articulately and intelligently disputing your comments, is an attempt to undermine her. To instantly lean on the trope of angry black woman, when a black woman is standing against something, is a lowball way of disregarding valid thoughts and opinions as nothing but emotion stemming from a clearly untrue character trait. Ultimately, there needs to be an understanding of the history of such tropes and ideas to remove them. To spread this, we as women need to continue to get angry, be assertive, and by the definition of Professor Chakrabarti Myers, to be as nasty as possible.
for American Student Radio, I'm Blessing Olamorati.